Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is made possible thanks to Black Ballad's membership community. To find out how to join our community of professionally ambitious, socially conscious and culturally curious black women, visit the link in our show notes. Welcome back to episode two of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide. If you're new here, this is a podcast all about the nuances of parenting as black women in modern Britain. And I'm Jendela Benson, head of editorial at Black Ballad and your host. According to the 2011 census, on average, around 42% of those identifying as Black African, Black Caribbean or Black British were living as a couple in an inter-ethnic relationship. If past trends are anything to go by, this could very likely have increased when the results for the 2021 census come in. This means there are potentially a significant number of black parents raising their kids in households with differing cultures. And from speaking to black ballot members, we know that this is a choice that brings up various concerns and considerations. So this episode, we're going to be getting into the topic of culture clash and how we can navigate it as parents and maybe even avoid it altogether. First up, we have Ibianga. Okay, so uh, my name is Ibianga, or Ibi, as most people would know me as. Um, I currently live in the northwest of England, so I live in, in Bolton. Um, grew up in Wigan, actually, which is probably about 20 minutes away from here. Um, I'm married to Luke, and we uh, have two children, a four-year-old Amos, a little boy, and a two-year-old Zion, a little girl. Last year, Ibianga wrote a personal essay for Black Ballad called Confronting My Childhood and Writing My Parents' Wrongs. It was all about her initial apprehensions when considering motherhood due to her upbringing. It really was a great article and one of the most popular reads for 2021, so check the show notes for a link if you'd like to take a read. Now, Ibi is Black African. Nigerian to be precise, and her husband Luke is white British. She told me about the different considerations that feature, or don't feature, when it comes to partners in an interracial relationship deciding to have kids. 
So I think it, it's quite a funny, a funny situation because as a black woman, I am aware that if ever I choose to uh, procreate one day, that my children are going to be of some kind of, um, you know, non-whiteness. So either if I married a white person or an Asian person, ultimately my children are never going to be white. However, for a person who's white to, you know, end up with a person who's black, I don't think that they often... Um, calculate that uh, that you know potential of having a, a child who's of color you know because i do know some people who would have a preference as to maybe keeping it within your culture so to speak and um, that wasn't really me necessarily uh, but i think i probably only truly felt the grandeur of the difference after uh, having a baby um and obviously my baby being half black African and half white, you know, English British. If you are from a Nigerian background, you may be aware of the traditional way newborn babies are bathed. The first bath is often a very rigorous affair with the baby's limbs being stretched and massaged and sometimes the baby is basically hung upside down or even thrown up in the air. From what I've been told, the aim is to encourage good digestion, flexibility and fearlessness in the newborn child. But when it came time for Ibi's son to receive his physical initiation, the difference in cultural background and expectation became very, very clear for Ibi and her husband, Luke. So uh, Amos was probably three, four days old and my mum came over. It's time to bath him. Um, that's what she said. She just got him, ran the little baby bath thing, and she started the ritual. So it was, you know, the stretching of the limbs and the massaging of the back and, you know, pretty much throwing them in the air and catching them by a finger and things like that. It, it was just, <laughs> it was it was pretty crazy. But I had seen her do this to my nieces and nephews when they were younger. Um, but Luke had never seen this. So I guess the look on his face was a bit like, what's she doing to our child? And even for me, <laughs> and even for me, it was like, wow, you know, mum, go easy. You know, from there, there were plenty, plenty other things as well. Small and big. So you see some more trivial things like even culturally, the way that families would get around you after you've given birth is different. Um, uh, just very different. Uh, so my mum was very much the provider of, like, I'll, I'll bring you pepper soup, I'll bring you this, you know, you need to heal, I'll give you this. Whereas Luke's mum was more of the nurturer, you know, let, let me come, you go to sleep, you rest. and So just, yeah, those were the kinds of differences. And that wasn't even necessarily in how we were raising our child, but just a real awareness of how different uh, our, our cultures were. Ibi had forewarned her husband about the traditional bath that would be coming little Amos's way and she says that after the initial shock he was quite transfixed with the process but when Ibi's mum asked about their son getting circumcised that was a different matter. My mum asked the question about whether we were going to circumcise my little boy 
I didn't want it to happen, but Luke was certainly just like, no, no, we're not doing that. So <laughs> after my mum went home, we had to have a discussion and just say, you know, I'm, I'm with you. We're not doing that to Amos. He doesn't need that to be done to him. Like, and I had to explain to him culturally that is just the norm. It's what they do to boys. And you almost have to wait till after the moment to give a bit of a breakdown. It's like, okay, let me just explain this to you why that happened or why this didn't happen. Some mums can find themselves in situations where they feel stuck in the middle, trying to navigate the different cultural expectations of their partner's family and their own family amongst their actual desires for their children as well. It definitely helps to have a patient and supportive partner. And if you can both communicate clearly, come to your own conclusions together and present a united front, the tensions that people often fear in intercultural households can be avoided or at least significantly lessened. But even if everything in your household is harmonious and kumbaya, there is the consideration of raising mixed heritage children in the outside world. Ibi now lives in Bolton, which is more diverse than Wigan, the town she grew up in, but there still aren't a lot of other black people around. I asked her about the thoughts that she had as a black woman raising dual heritage children in a predominantly white area. Yeah, so to, I suppose two points to answer this and illustrate this um, response, I suppose. So firstly, when we, when we had Amos, we lived in Wigan. We soon moved to Bolton to live with Luke's parents while we saved for a house to get on the property ladder. So I became so aware of the proportion of white faces he saw in relation to, or in comparison to black faces. So literally, I think I, maybe my mum, if she ever came, the odd sibling were the only black faces he saw, whereas they lived with Luke's family. You know, they're all white. We go to a predominantly white church. Um, and so, I actually noticed at one point that he was quite frightened of black people and black faces and very, very, very resistant. So if a black person came towards him to pick him up, he was frightened. Even if it was one of my brothers or one of my sisters, he would start to cry. So that had a, a huge, you know, effect really, because I actually remember having a conversation with Luke saying like, this isn't good. Like, he needs to be exposed to black people because the world he lives in is white predominantly. I was the weakest link <laughs> because I was the, the only black face that he saw. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a big, big moment because, you know, I'd maybe not seen my brother for a few weeks. He'd come over, he'd bend down to pick him or something. He'd really cry like ball. And it wasn't just, you know, a one-time thing or he's not just seen that relative for a while, so he's a bit confused. It was it was every time, it was every black person. Um, so there's there's that bearing of you have to be so much more intentional to expose them to things that they are half of. So he is half black, he is half, uh, you know, Nigerian, African, but it's we're not surrounded by it, especially because of where we live. Um, and I, I try and be intentional, which, you know, I could talk about more so later. But I think in terms of the other part would be, um, so he's four, so in September he'll go to school. 
and in this area there's probably three or four really good schools that uh, our friends from church had said oh you know why don't you take him to this school you know every all the some of the neighbors some people who live locally had said oh this is the top school in the area so me and luke looked on on the website obviously we can't go and visit we went to have a look and for us um it just looked very white and you know the teachers the the other kids it just seemed very white um and actually what we've ended up doing is gone in reverse so the school that we've chosen and what mattered to us rather than it being like is it a church school is it this is it that the most important things were i said to luke we had a conversation i said i grew up in a school where i was one of probably three or four black people probably including my siblings i was the only black person in my whole class so i said i know what that feels like i know how lonely it can be i know how you know sad it can feel and i said i don't want our children we're not going to move down south or move to africa or move to another country but i said as long as we live in this uh, up north i want our children to be with children who look the same as them or who have different skin colours. Now, I'm not trying to say that I want it to be like a completely fully black class or anything like that or a fully black school, but that was something that really, really mattered to us, um, that our children would see other people who look like them and, you know, represent them as well and that similarity. There is so much more to a school than its Ofsted report. I can relate to Ibi's concerns because I took a similar approach when it came to looking for a nursery and school for my children to attend. I asked Ibi what other ways she had been intentional about cultural diversity when it comes to her children's upbringing. Yeah, so I I spoke to somebody about this recently because for me, diversity is more than race. So obviously it's looking at people who've got, you know, different levels of um, ability, um, people who may have looked different physically. And I guess in our household, we would try our best to promote that. Not everyone looks like you, not everyone looks like me, not everybody's got the same, um, you know, level of ability. Everyone's differently abled. Um, So some of the very practical things are just looking at the types of things that they watch on telly. I think, you know, we've got a long way to go, but we've come a heck of a lot of, of a long way since when I was younger and there was hardly any TV shows with um, black or brown people or, you know, Asian people in them. Maybe, you know, the news or things like that. But in terms of children's shows that they can watch and they can see representation and they can see people who are like them. So we try and, and think about, I guess, what they what they would watch. Um, certain TV shows that, you know, even on CBBS, what do they watch? Um, some of the shows that we would say, oh, would, do, you, do you want to watch this? Let's look at this. And not being in a pushy way or in a contrived way. If they want to watch other stuff, you know, Disney stuff or, you know, some of the kiddie things that they're into, great. But I think you've got to have that intentionality because this is the um, subliminal, subconscious messaging that they're being fed daily. Um, Another thing would be the books that we read. So we make quite a a big deal, I suppose, out of bedtime and story time. I, I love to read, I love books. And so with the kids, we've tried to buy quite a few uh, books that celebrate um, 
you know, little black boys or little black girls. Um, and especially in the last probably two years, um, we've bought and asked people, if people say, oh, can I get them a book or what do they need? I'll say, oh, I know I'm a bit, I'm very specific. I'll say they, they love books, both of them. But if you get them a book, can, can you um, think about, you know, the colour of the children in the book? So that, again, this is just every day, the seeing these people who are brown, who are black, who are Asian, the seeing the diversity, the seeing children who may be in a wheelchair, different things like that. Um, and as well, just through our conversations too. So, you know, we'll talk to them about our skin colour being different. So, you know, they'll say, you know, mummy's brown, mummy's black, but daddy's white. We'll talk about that and we'll say, well, that is because Mummy's family's from Africa, from Nigeria, and, you know, Amos will tell me now, well, Grandma's from Africa, and we have a, a book, uh, which is like an atlas, and he'll point to all the different countries, and every time we come to Africa, he'll say, this is where my grandma's from. So just, again, not shielding them from the fact that they they are biracial and they're a product of two cultures. Um, he Amos and Zion will never struggle to see their Britishness because it's all around them. But they'll they'll have to fight to see and to know the African black side of, of who they are because that is still very much um, a minority represented around them. Um, so, yeah, I very much take that seriously. It's my own personal responsibility. It's our responsibility as a husband and a wife and as a family. Um, to help them to celebrate that at the level that they're at so they understand it and it it makes sense to them. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Being in an interracial, intercultural family has also been a learning opportunity for Ibi. It's given her opportunity to consider her own upbringing and the balance that she wants to strike for herself and her own children now that she has a family to raise. You know, I know not every African um, 
just sort of conforms to the the trend or the tradition but typically there isn't as much you know hands-on tactile love tlc africans just love tough love and they love you know just saying it straight and setting you straight and sending you on your way so yeah for me i recognized that i hadn't had a lot of that nurture and that um you know affection and physical affection and affirmation growing up Actually, my mum is quite, um, you know, very loving to the grandkids, actually, and very, like, she get down to their level and, quite, you know, really affectionate. But I know that my parents were quite strict, so I am quite by the book with the kids, so, you know, I don't let them get away with too much. And sometimes they would be like, oh, it's a bit too harsh or it's a bit this, and but I'm just, I, I kind of see, I balance that, so I'm not, you know... I'm not ruling with an iron fist, but neither am I just letting them win every brawl or every, you know, every conflict or letting every meltdown that they they get what they want. So I would say that that is actually something that we've come sort of met together in the middle on. So initially he probably would have said I was maybe too harsh and I would have maybe said he was too soft, but I think we've some, somewhat, you know, there's like a nice happy medium that we sit in now. You know, not not going to either extreme of being like, you know, overly coddled the child or, you know, I feel like I have to just be how what my parents were. This happy intercultural balance isn't just something that needs to be found in homes where the parents are from different racial backgrounds. Of course, black folks are not a monolith. And many of us find ourselves with partners who are black but have a different ethnic or cultural background. One such mum is Abigail, familiar to many of us from the family Instagram page, It's The Amps. My name is Abigail. Um, A lot of people think that I am like a full-time content creator, but I'm not. (laughs) It's just something that just happened by chance really but I'm actually a brand and marketing consultant that's that's what I actually do um I run my own business I have done for like ooh, six seven years now and um like we just landed in the Instagram space um essentially when I was when I was pregnant with my first son just a lot happened that year and I just set up this Instagram page like I never used to post pictures of myself it was just I used to say stuff kind of just offloading really um so I just used to share my pregnancy journey and how I was feeling because as I said a lot had happened that yeah I got married lost my mom got pregnant had a baby so there's a lot of it was very emotional yeah so um I set up yeah my Instagram account as this little secret outlet nobody knew about it and then after a little while later I was like you know what this is you know I'm connecting with people I'm connecting with people and they've not even seen like my face this is quite nice and um yeah and then we just you know as the family grew it grew and here we are. <laughs> Abigail and her husband David are both from West African backgrounds. But while David is Ghanaian, Abigail is proudly and loudly Nigerian. I mean, I'm Nigerian, I'm Yoruba, so you you assume you end up with, you know, it wasn't a thing like, oh no, I must. Yeah. Um, but you just you just assume that you're naturally going to marry someone who's got the same background as you. I mean, I don't know, that's what I thought anyway. I just, it wasn't a thought. I just thought naturally, you know, um, I'd probably end up marrying a Nigerian Yoruba person. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, it wasn't really a, a thought per se. Um, 
you know, and then a few people that I had dated, like they were, you know, they were Yoruba, Nigerian. So I thought, well, yeah, I, I'll end up marrying someone from there. But obviously, <laughs> it didn't sound out like that. Um, you know, I think just because of where I grew up and, you know, the area I lived in. Yeah, I did naturally think I would just naturally end up with, with um someone from the same background as me but yeah it is what it is <laughs> abigail and david are raising children with essentially three cultural influences there is abigail's nigerian nurse david's Ghanaian nurse and then they are raising them in an entirely separate culture britain for those of us who think it's important for our kids to maintain ties with their cultural heritages, the thought of trying to encourage a healthy familiarity with all these different cultures can feel daunting. I was on a clubhouse a little while ago and we were talking essentially about this. And, you know, I think for many people, of course, you know, when you come from somewhere that's got a rich culture and heritage and all that, you do want to pass it on to your kids. I mean, culture, no, no matter what part of the world is, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's amazing. And of course, we want to pass these things down. But I think for some of us, <laughs> the reality of actually doing it it's a lot harder um you know again like in in our instance i'm nigerian my husband's from from ghana and we had it all planned out so my plan was okay so when we have kids you know they'll spend a lot of time with my mom and you know she she you know she'll she'll all she'll only speak yoruba to them and and you know they'll spend time with your parents and they'll only speak to you to them and all that kind of stuff and we had it all planned i was like yeah you know and at home you need to make sure like you transmit to you to them and i'll make sure i'll speak yoruba to them but the reality is david and i speak english to each other <laughs> that's the common language in the house so it's it's hard it's hard and i have to be honest like we have not done it um you know but we do try you know and check things like youtube to see what resources are on there like play them certain songs and stuff and to be honest we listen to a lot of like afro beats and stuff like that so i feel like there's 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 many ways that you can pass on you know bits of the culture it's, it's not just the language of course i am determined that the kids will learn both languages it's not too late they're still they're still young but there is there are different elements you know there's the music we listen to there's the there's the food we eat there's there's so many things that for me comes under the umbrella of you know passing down your culture and your heritage you know and all that kind of stuff but you know lang the, the language part of it we we are we are trying we will we'll get there a side effect of coming from a proud and vibrant culture is that some people get quite competitive. Ghana versus Nigeria jalaf is tired banter in my opinion, but some folks are out here really taking basmati rice versus long grain rice seriously. I asked Abigail if she had felt any tensions in her wider family when it came to how they were raising their Nigerian, British, Ghanaian kids. If I'm honest, you know, you 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 kind of get a vibe sometimes and you 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 know there's certain maybe there might be conversations going on over your head and around you but not to you and if i'm really really honest with you yeah it's even it's better that way it just lets me know that no one is prepared to come and have that conversation with me which means that deep down you know it's not a conversation you should have with me because i'm not going to be having any of it so 
yeah you know you feel stuff you know you you get a vibe for stuff but i just i just i don't have time for it and i think i think at this point you know it's it's quite known on either side of the family i'm not here for i'm not here for any of it like i'm i'm absolutely just like my tolerance for any kind of ghana v nigeria i absolutely like if you if you really want me to 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 flip that would be it i don't tolerate it and you know the the way we've got things set up is that this is our home and we will pick and choose from both cultures what we want so whatever we feel works for us we will embrace it if we don't think something is appropriate we're not going to embrace it again we're christians so there's some cultural things that don't align with that so you know that's just the way it is we pick what works for us in our home and in our family anything else we're not really (laughs) we're not really interested if things don't bother me and my husband in our household then i don't expect anyone else to be bringing you know their own whatever it is to our front door so yeah i have zero tolerance on any kind of cultural this way that way just not here for it (laughs) i also asked abigail if she had any advice for those of us myself included who get quite concerned about how we are passing on our culture to our children you know what i think you know it's it's totally totally understandable um that people you know they want to pass culture on to their kids and all that kind of stuff but like i said um i think we need to remember that there's so many other ways um to do this i know one of the things people you know get really really bogged down by is making sure they pass on the language but the truth is it it may not be easy if the main language you speak isn't your mother tongue then of course it's it's going to be even harder and you know there's it's we're in a modern age there's there's classes like there's no shame in taking your kids to language classes to to learn your mother tongue there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and you know, if you're so adamant that you want them to learn, why not choose one of those avenues if you can't do it yourself? Because that's definitely the route I think I'm going to be taking. Um, I just think, you know, we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves. There are ways, there are resources, you know. You know, some people, I have had some conversations with people like, no, like I have to, and, you know, by all means necessary, and get really, and it's, and it's fine, the passion is beautiful, but... You know, there are ways, there are resources. I was heavily relying on the fact that my mum would be here through the whole process. So she would, you know, the way I've seen her teach my nephews and nieces, she would do the same for me. But hey, she's not here, so I have to find another way. So yeah, I just think, you know, people shouldn't shouldn't put too much pressure on themselves with these things. It's it's not, it's not no, the the way it's not it's not that deep. It's it's not that hard. There there are ways around it. You know, you can travel with your kids back home you can introduce them to certain tv programs again like i said the music the 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 food you eat and more importantly just actually telling them actually telling them about you know their their family history and stuff like that so there are ways around it i just don't think we should get too stressed out about it there are ways to keep keep it alive one thing i always say is like you and your partner need to just stay united 
you know, like you need to just stay united, protect your four walls, because um, that's definitely what we did. Protect your four walls and, you know, just kind of put people in their place when you need to, as, as hard as it can be. But can't let people have too much influence over, over your happiness and your relationship, essentially. Let's be real, folks. The nature of culture is that it changes and develops different flavours and variations as it comes into contact with other cultures and influences. No culture is perfectly preserved as it's handed down from generation to generation, even in the land where the culture originated. As well as the cultures that are being handed down to us, each of us as parents is creating a new culture within our homes. One where we can create our own traditions, honour our heritages in whatever ways we feel comfortable with and ultimately create an environment where our kids can be their full selves, embracing every part of their identity and flourishing into whoever they are going to be. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, tell all your followers on social media about us, and also make sure you're subscribed wherever you usually listen to podcasts. This is a Black Ballad production, and the theme music for this podcast is by Darrell Banks. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.